ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Coming to you live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios from East River 9. Here now are The Killer Bees, Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. He is still blank. I am Branham. We're broadcasting live. I thought you at forgot your name nine. for a second. A huge TV on the outdoor patio. I can see it from here. We're on the other side of the kitchen. Whenever you walk in here to East River 9, they have like a breezeway. When you're walking into the left is the kitchen bar area, which is fantastic. To the right is the pro shop. And then everything in front of you is the driving range, uh, the par three course, the pickleball. They have bags. They have Connect Four. They have the beautiful skyline of the, uh, the city of Houston. You can see Minute Maid Park from here. And through the kitchen you can see that giant tv the outdoor tv on the outdoor patio it's a great spot to watch your sports it's a great spot to watch some college football tomorrow it's a great spot to watch astros game one tomorrow it's a great spot to watch nfl sunday it's a great spot to watch game two of the uh, astros on sunday as well you get my drift it's a great spot to watch some sports Uh, also thank you to gentle ben uh, today's sponsor for having us out here at east river nine thanks to todd uh, for spending 30 minutes with a couple of uh, jabronis like us just the fact that, you know, he's also always gracious with his time, but to do two segments, come out and see us, and to have him in person right before the playoff, uh, the first playoff series start was amazing. Joe, great job. And Joe didn't even give him a glass of water. Or a shirt. Or a shirt. He did, got, buy, he did buy him a round of golf, I though. Did, I did buy him a round of golf. That's <laughs> yeah. like, I feel like that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't you know, he's very thirsty, but, uh, yeah, he couldn't. Uh, I didn't know that. I'm just kidding. You guys should have told me. I, I did. I was just talking a beard. <laughs> that was your first problem. Uh, let's take a look at a position by position battle matchup in this ALDS between the Astros and the Twins. I saw a bunch of people doing this earlier. The one thing I don't like whenever you look at the positional battles and they, they start to look at the head-to-head is normally you look at the starting rotation as like a whole. I don't think that's the right way to do it like because it's not the starting rotation versus the starting rotation every game. Like game one, it's Justin Verlander versus Bailey Ober. Game right. two, it's Frommer versus Pablo. Game three, it's Javier versus Sonny, more than likely. Game four, who knows? Everybody's you know, probably Joe Ryan from Minnesota. Who knows what the Astros do in game four? TK said maybe a you know, piggyback situation with a Rakiti, with a JP, with a Brown, which I don't, I don't hate that idea. How do you feel about no, that? Idea? I like that, actually. I, I think that if, if the guys going in – know that they can empty the tank a little bit more because they're not going to be expected to go uh, you know deeper or, or six plus uh, maybe they you know maybe that gives them a little bit more uh, fire in their fastball and a little bit more motivation I, I don't mind it at all I think that you can get in shorter doses maybe more from those guys and, and then you can piece piecework the, the entire game together but I have no problem with that at all yeah I, I don't either I'd rather it be Urquidy I think to start the piggyback because I, I think that if Urquidy kind of you know, finds that groove like you did in Arizona, I think you can ride them through four, mm-hmm. you know, maybe five innings. But let's take a look at the uh, the pitching matchups and the, who has the advantage in each one of them. Game one, Justin Verlander on the mound for the Houston Astros, going with JV instead of Fromber. Fromber will go game two. So you have Justin Verlander on the mound, 13-8 and eight record, 322 ERA against Bailey Ober, 8-6, 343 ERA. I think the biggest advantage in the entire series so far pitching-wise would be this game one. The biggest thing for Minnesota is that the Astros haven't seen over. So uh, that's always an advantage pitcher when hitters haven't seen you before. They've got to you know figure you out, and video can only do so much. But this is Justin Verlander. This isn't the World Series either. This is Justin Verlander knowing that this was what he was brought here for, and this is what he's been you know wired to do. And uh, we talked about it with Todd. What he did in those last two starts at the end of the regular season showed you that 
this is the man that you always want at the front of your rotation, and maybe he's a little older, maybe he's a little different pitcher, but yet he still has that intestinal fortitude. He knows how to pitch, and, and I think this is probably as big of an advantage you're going to have uh, in a pitching matchup in this series. All right, so JV, you got JV in game one. I do too. Fromber Valdez in game two, 12 and 11, 345 ERA versus Minnesota's ace probably. It's kind of an 1A, 1B situation there too. Pablo Lopez, 11 and 8, 366 ERA. Fromber Lopez, who has the edge in that one? I Man, I, I would dare say this is almost a – I think it should be Fromber with his stuff. Mm-hmm. I think his stuff, based on his breaking pitches, um, and, and it is electric, and it is some of the best stuff in baseball when he's on. We just know that he hasn't had his best stuff the second half of the season. Started to kind of figure some things out. I would give a slight advantage to Fromber, but I think this is this is a pretty pretty close call. Yeah, I give the edge to Fromber here too. I do think that it's close. I think Pablo Lopez is a really good pitcher. Uh, if you if you're the receiving end of a Luisa Rise trade, one of the most electric players in all of baseball, you're a really good pitcher. Fromber Valdez in parts of this season though was the betting favorite to be the American League Cy Young. Mm-hmm. Probably, if he was fully rested, would have been the starter in the uh, in the All Star game for the American League. I think Fromber's upside is higher than Pablo's upside, and Fromber's. Overall numbers are a little bit better than Pablo's overall numbers on this one, too. So I think this one's an a- a close, but I give the edge to Fromber. Game three starters, more than likely. Astros have not announced theirs. Twins haven't announced theirs either, but more than likely. Javier, 10-5, 456 ERA. Sonny Gray, who has a great ERA at 279. Only 8-8. Eight and eight. Who has the edge in this one? To me, it's Sonny Gray, and it's because of the fact that quietly, and it's quiet is kept with most of the stories from Minnesota because, you know, you played them early in the season. Not a lot of attention was paid, rightfully so, with the Astros playing from behind most of the season uh, that you didn't know and and aren't focused as much on Minnesota Twins baseball. Sonny Gray has been one of the better pitchers in baseball over the last several years. Sonny Gray didn't like pitching in a big city environment in New York, and since he's been in Minnesota, he's been pretty damn good. And I think that... Javier being the roller coaster, Javier being the unpredictable guy, Javier trying to figure things out versus a guy that has great stuff and has quietly had a great year. I give the advantage firmly right now to Sonny Gray. I do too, but I will throw a caveat in there that when Javier is at his best, I think he's better than Sonny Gray. I agree with that. Christian Javier is way more volatile. Sonny Gray, by the averages, far better season than Christian Javier had. If Christian Javier can channel the vintage Christian Javier, his upside's better than Sonny Gray's, but you have to give Sonny Gray the edge in this one. All right, let's take a look at the entire bullpen, because I think it's more fair to look at an entire bullpen, because a bullpen can go in every single one of these ALDS games because there's two off days. Who has the bullpen edge between the Astros and the Twins? I will still say it's the Astros because of what they did last year, what they were still able to do this year. But, again, it's one of those you know best-kept secret stories. Minnesota's got a, a hell of a good bullpen, too. And you talk about the back end of the bullpen. And any guy that can bring it 105 or 102 or 103, that, that's, that's some, saying something. But the rest of their bullpen is pretty good as well. I just think that you have established guys that have been there, done that, and did it recently over the last two years with the Astros' bullpen. I'd put up their, their seven, eight, and nine inning guys against just about anybody in baseball. So I think this is another close one, but I would give the slight advantage because of the depth of the bull, back of the bullpen to the Astros. I think that the, the last two pitchers in each bullpen is a wash, 
quite frankly. Whenever you can, whenever you put Brian Abreu and Ryan Presley together and you put Jackson Duran together for Minnesota, I, I, I'm giving that a wash. I'm calling the back end, the two back end guys, the two high, le- high leverage guys a wash. I think Duran's better than Presley. I think Abreu's better than Jacks. Collectively, I think it's a tie. I think where the Astros have the edge for the entire bullpen is you're, you're a little bit deeper. You might not be as deep as you were last year because Montero struggled a bit, but you do have Graven. You still do have Montero, although he's not been as good. And then Hector Neris, to me, is the, like the, the, the X-Factor, yeah. the guy that puts the Astros bullpen over the top. Uh, because I don't think the Twins have that. Like The Twins, they have Duran really good. They have Jacks really good. This Wilbar guy who's their lefty, who I imagine we see a lot of him against Jordan Alvarez. Beware Tucker, of doing yeah. that. And Tucker, you know, beware of doing that because they hit lefties well. And this Varlin guy, I think that collectively the entire bullpen slide edge to the Strohs, the top two guys in each bullpen, I'm calling a tie. Yeah, I think it's a very, very close race. I, again, I don't think people know enough to where they would just assume, oh, the Astros' bullpen is head and shoulders above the Twins' bullpen, and that's not the case. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a wash. All right, catcher position, matchup between these two. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, a lot of Astros fans are expecting to see a lot of Vasquez, and Vasquez has basically been relegated to being a backup catcher more than he's been the starting catcher. But we all know that Maldi, for all the intangibles people talk about, is not going to give you a whole lot offensively, though he did give you home run numbers. And, and, and a lot of the things that he was getting credit for have slipped off quite a bit, too. I, I would say that at, from an offensive perspective, I'd say off, I would give the advantage to Minnesota, and we know Yiner's not going to be behind the plate defensively. I'll say advantage Minnesota. I have to go Twins based on who I expect to play. I think Martin Maldonado starting at least – you know, he's starting the first three, three games. Yeah. Depending on who pitches game four, he's probably going to start game four. I have to give Jeffers, the, and quite frankly Vasquez, the edge over who I think is going to play for the Astros. If you throw every catcher in this series in a pool, the first catcher I would take would be Yonar Diaz. But he's not going to play, so I have to give the edge to the Minnesota Twins in this one. First base position, we know that Jose Abreu is the guy for the Houston Astros at first base. For the Minnesota Twins, you're most, you saw some Joey Gallo there a bit, but he's hurt. Probably not even going to make the ALDS roster. They've used the Alex Kirillov guy uh, against righties and Donovan Solano against lefties, so you might see a bit of a, a platoon there. It's interesting because you figure, okay, platoon at first base, you have Jose Abreu, obvious edge to Jose Abreu, back in baseball card. Maybe not the case, though. No, and I think the collaborative effort gives Minnesota a, a voice in the room in this conversation. But what I saw late from Jose Abreu was enough for me to believe that Abreu is a guy that has playoff experience as well and is a guy that seems to be playing his best baseball of the season. Not that that's saying a ton, but it's saying something. And as TK even said, a guy to play as badly as a lot of people labeled him to have played all season long to get 90 RBIs and do some of the things he did in that Arizona series Make me believe he's playing his best baseball. He's going to continue that with his playoff experience, and I'd give the advantage to the Astros. I'm giving it to the Twins. Uh, Minnesota has posted a 790 OPS from the first base position, that according to MLB.com. That's better than what Jose Abreu's given you, so I have to give the edge to the Twins at first. Second base, Jose Altuve, obviously one of the best offensive second basemen in the league. Might go down as one of the best offensive second basemen, period. Edward Julian gets the nod for the Twins at there for the most part, and I think one of the more underrated players in all of baseball. He's underrated, but that's Jose Altuve. And to me, that's 
that trumps everything that you can bring to the table, and maybe that's a different conversation for matchups down the road it, when, you, when you're talking about the Twins. That, to me, is a no-brainer, and that's Jose Altuve all day, every day. Because not only has he done it and been you know, the kind of player that everybody continues to talk about as an all-star second baseman, he's done even more when he gets to the playoffs for the most part. Maybe he was a little off last year. There's a guy that you have total 100% confidence in come postseason time, and that's why it, it, that's Altuve. Yeah, Altuve is a slam dunk here. Shortstop's an interesting one because you have Carlos Correa versus Jeremy Pena. Where are you giving the edge to? This is the story within the, the the series. This is the focus that everybody's going to be talking as a sidebar and, and comparing, and it's going to be a tough situation for Pena. I hope he doesn't see it that way and press too much. But, look, this is a guy making $30 million a year. They got paid when he left the Astros for a reason. Whether you believe with him and his A-Rod conversations that they talk about him being one of the top five players in baseball, which I think is far-fetched, I think with his arm, with his defense, with his power, with the ability that Carlos Correa brings to the table on a nightly basis. And even though Jeremy Payne had a great postseason last year, that I'm not taking away from that. This is Carlos Correa. Yeah, I'm going Jeremy Pena on this. He had a better offensive year, better OPS+. plus. The defense is pretty much even, quite frankly. Uh, Correa does have the better arm. People would start talking about like heroics in the postseason. Cool. Jeremy Pena was the ALCS MVP last year, World Series MVP. I'm giving the edge to Correa. Third base, you have Alex Bregman. Royce Lewis is not going to play the field, I don't believe. They've kind of used a revolving door around third base. Polanco, Solano, Castro, Kyle Farmer. This one, to me, is Alex Bregman over a revolving door. Completely agree. And I think we talked about it yesterday, That uh, and we had the Twins beat reporter on, and, and was it Dan? Dan told us that, uh, that Lewis is going to be the designated hitter. So I, I think it's advantage, Bregman. All right, just look at the entire outfield now. The Astros is going to be kind of an interesting one because I think it's going to be different guys that are playing there all the time because Chaz McCormick, Dubon, I think are going to split time in center field. Brantley's very much going to be in the mix. Jordan Alvarez is going to play every game. Just kind of depends on where he's going to play. And then for the Minnesota Twins, you look at their outfield and you're looking at kind of the same guys that they used in both of their first two games. They didn't face a lefty against the Toronto Blue Jays, but you look at their left field spot that they used was this guy named Walner, Michael Taylor in center field, and Max Kepler in right field. Yeah, advantage Houston in this, and I don't think it's very close. And I think if Buxton was in the conversation, it might make it a little bit more of a discussion just because of the fact that he plays a really good center field if he's ever healthy, uh, and he brings pop and a lot of and a lot of things to the table and it, uh, but I don't think that there's any question in my mind across the board this is an advantage for the Astros DH Royce Lewis Jordan Alvarez it's a great call but you know Lewis is just starting to scratch the surface Jordan's been there done that and done it in every big situation I go Jordan both are very very good I have to go with uh, Jordan Alvarez as well all right Minute Maid Park where do they stack stack up as the most raucous ballpark left in the playoffs now, you're not getting a whole lot of respect from national media. Is that fair? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Get over here! ESPN 97.5, the only Houston sports station with a bidet. Red sun rises. Blood has been spilled this night. Excellent. Feel great. Feel great. Obviously, they got a great team, and so do we. So we're going out there with the mentality that we can compete against anybody. And when I look at our roster, um, we're everywhere you look, we're ready. And uh, our bullpen, our starting rotation, our lineup is deep. So I feel really good about the team we have, and I feel confident going into Houston. On the northern bank of Buffalo Bayou, you'll find the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at East River 9 and its current occupants, the Killer Bees. Here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. 
for buzzing around outside. What a beautiful day it is, and what a beautiful day at East River 9. The golf course looks good. The golf swing feels good. I like my chances. He's Blank on Branham. Uh, the downtown skyline in the distance. This is a great spot to come hang out, have a drink and a bite if you want to do that. The hot chicken sandwich was fantastic. The beer is cold. The pro shop across the way where you can uh, reserve a tea time. The golf is good. Practice range, pickleball, the whole nine yards. And they also have the new Giant TV on their outside patio, which is a great spot to watch a little bit of sports. I'm watching the golf right now, actually, uh, through the uh, through the kitchen, through the dining room. Great spot to hang out. That, of course, was Carlos Correa talking about uh, going up against the Houston Astros. That was after they beat the Blue Jays in the wild card series. I heard some, um, some press conference sound from Jose Altuve. He talked about how, look, we have to beat them, even though we really like them. Dusty Baker said that uh, Carlos Correa was his favorite player and his wife's favorite player. Uh, Carlos Correa said that it teared up his wife whenever he heard those comments. There's a lot of emotion here. This is obviously kind of the storyline whenever the Twins and the Astros meet up. But look, this is a Twins team that is built with their pitching. Royce Lewis is their best offensive hitter. Yes, Carlos Correa has clutch moments. He makes impeccable mound visits. But this series is bigger than uh, Carlos Correa returning to Houston. It absolutely is. And I think that the fans can focus on that. We talked about the matchup within the matchup. One, it's Carlos Correa in the playoffs coming back against his old team. Two, it's comparing and contrasting Pena and Correa. But these are two different this is, these are two baseball teams that are trying to better the other team. You can't get caught up in all that hype that's going to be caught up in the media and caught up in the fan base. you got to just t- handle your job. And, and I think that this is what Carlos Correa was brought to Minnesota for, to take them to the next level, to t- teach the younger guys on that squad about what it takes to be a leader, to understand the postseason, to win I- I- in the postseason in baseball, where you have a team that's been there and done that and done it for a, a long time now, that they realize – you play against your friends all the time, but that team shouldn't be better than you, and they shouldn't match up with you to where you have a disadvantage. You can't worry about Carlos Correa. You worry about handling your business, and if you do, you should win this series. So uh, I know that everybody's going to be talking about that, but I'm excited to see this offense uh, clicking on all cylinders and coming out you know, fully capable of putting crooked numbers up. Yeah, I root for Correa. Correa was, one of my favorite, was my favorite player when he was here. I'm not bashful of saying it. I wouldn't have paid the man, though, and I have no problem with the Astros letting him walk. It's business. It was the right decision. Pena has been just as good the last couple of years. I would rather have pay Pena the league minimum than Correa the north of $30 million, but this is a bigger series than these two. Root for Carlos Correa uh, when he's not playing the uh, the Houston Astros. Blinkers, how would you define raucous? Raucous is, I mean, come early, stay late, cheer loud, don't get down if a situation, get louder when a situation looks like it's going to be a high leverage situation or, you know, you're, you need to be there for your squad at all times. You need to be able to rattle the roof. You need to be able to back the home team. You need to stay loyal even when the situation may go against you. And I think that you know you do that consistently, and you can build a raucous home home field advantage. How raucous do you think Minute Maid Park is in the playoffs? I never worry about it. I don't. As much as the Texans tried to play it up with why their roof is shut and trying to understand it makes it louder and no one really believed it, you believe it at Minute Maid Park. You know that everybody's coming wearing orange. You know that everybody's going to be decked out. They're going to be there early. They're going to stay late. They are going to live and die with every pitch. They are going to back the home team. And I never, ever worry about the level of dedication, noise, and excitement that goes with Astros home games at Minute Maid Park. 
Yeah, the uh, the Athletic put out a uh, an article today. The most raucous ballparks left in the postseason. There's eight teams left in the postseason. The Astros are fifth most raucous in all of baseball. The only teams that they're ahead, they have the Arizona Diamondbacks at number eight, the least raucous crowd that's left in the postseason. They have the Arlington Rangers at number seven, so at least there's that. And then the Minnesota Twins at sixth. Everybody else that's left in the playoffs, they have as more raucous than the fan base in Houston. They have Atlanta at four. They have... Baltimore at three, which how do you know that that ballpark looks in the postseason in terms of raucousness? Uh, The Dodgers are two, and then at number one they had the Philadelphia Phillies, who Christian Javier was so scared of that raucous crowd, went in through the most underrated no-hitter in World Series baseball history. Uh, Astros fifth behind those four teams makes you think what? I I think they're fully you-know-what. I I think (laughs) that when you go to Chavez Ravine and look at Dodger Stadium and the hoity-toities that go from everywhere, from sitting behind the dish. And they show up in the fourth inning. I was going to say, the late arrive. (laughs) that was where I was going next. The late arriving crowd in L.A. that has to be fashionably late. There's no way that anything about Dodger Stadium says raucous or massive home field advantage. They're a bunch of freaking fair weathers and hoity-toities, and it's not even close, and that's why this thing is so skewed. I get it, too, because I saw it on Twitter, and I didn't see where they had ranked these teams going into this segment. But I can tell you this, I know that everybody was talking about the Phillies' home crowd and look the hell out if you got to play Philadelphia in the playoffs, including Carl Ravage maybe. But the fact of the matter is... The Astros went into Philly and took care of their business last year. So it, it ain't all that. So I get it that Philly, because they're Philly fans and they're, you know, they're over the top and they're a bit, they're rude and they're all those things. But, okay, uh, maybe the Astros and Philly could sit there and say back and forth I, one and two. I think it's fair to have Philly number one. Like, if I think of a raucous fan base, I think of the Philadelphia fan base. So I'm totally fine with the well, Phillies they're being not, one. They, they don't toe the line. No, they're not yeah. afraid to go way and they're, over they're the like line. they're like mean. They're going right, to yell at that's you. What I mean. They're going to boo Santa Claus. They're going to cheer when Michael Irvin breaks his neck. Like, at Minute Maid Park, you still get a bit of Southern hospitality. Yeah, they're going to throw full beer cans yeah. at 80-year-old women I'm, wearing the other team's jersey. <laughs> okay I feel like they, one. they also just, like, they, they're at the extreme peak, like, all the time. Yeah. Like, when they don't need to be. When nothing <laughs> good or, like, exciting is happening in a baseball game, they're just, like, standing and screaming for no apparent reason. They have like, no chill. Yeah, they have no chill. <laughs> like, they just go full 10 the whole time and watch their teams lose in important games. Yeah. Like, I don't mind Philly being one here. It, may, it, no. might, be, it might be the ignorance that leads to their full-time I thought, raucousness. I thought Atlanta would be higher, to be honest. But, but, but you know what the problem with Atlanta is? Yeah. That is such a foo-foo ballpark. I agree. There are so many different things to distract you from the game itself. Yeah. It's There's upscale restaurants and there's kitty zones and there's you know video game areas and there's all these different things to do that people don't sit there and get fired up about every pitch of a baseball game. The, uh, the Orioles one is a joke, but, but the also like the Braves too. And this I know this is a different ballpark and like the, that's the one that used to be downtown. This one's like where in Bulkhead or whatever, uh, something like that. It's not Bulkhead, but it's something like that. But remember when they talk about Buckhead? Buckhead, yeah, Buckhead. <laughs> You're pretty close. I was really close. I, was, I thought it was I was closer than I thought to be honest with you. But remember the old ballpark? They didn't show up for division series games. Yeah. Like, it would be, like, 60% full. Like, you can't be raucous if you're 60% of capacity in the division series. And then Baltimore, like, they haven't been in the playoffs in a while. Now, where I'm not going to argue with Baltimore, though, is, like, there's a good chance you might die walking to your car in Baltimore. <laughs> so, like, that's a pretty good definition of raucous. So, I don't mind Baltimore being ahead of them. But Atlanta and L.A., I'm not a fan of those yeah, two. It's a, it's a slightly different and better area of Baltimore, but Baltimore is a danger zone. 
But overall, I think it's just completely screwed up and that they shouldn't even be in the running for this because when's the last time they had a playoff game that you could actually judge them on? Yeah, yeah they have dedicated, loyal baseball fans, but you know they've endured a bunch of losing for a lot of years. We don't know what that environment's going to You assume, but you don't know. Yeah, I hope they don't fire Kevin Brown again. Uh, Michael Rothstein, who covers the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN.com, he's going to join us next to break down what the Texans have on Sunday. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, it's a big weekend. Again, college football, pro football, baseball playoffs, you name it, and MyBookie's got it. You want to bet on it? You go to MyBookie.ag. You absolutely can, and you can get all the different props and all the different odds, and you can bet on all the different teams that you want to bet on. Soccer, UFC as well. You get If there's a sport out there professionally that you want to bet on, chances are you can bet on it at MyBookie.ag. And right now, if you use the promo code BET975, all of our loyal listeners that use that code, they are going to cash in even more, because whether you're a new member to mybookie.ag signing up for the first time or you're returning all you got to do is use the promo code bet975 and put in a minimum of 50 bucks you get an extra 200 dollars in your account instantly more money in your account more games you can bet on and of course more chances to win all because you listen to us and you go to mybookie.ag and use that promo code bet975 and when the games aren't on in the middle of the night or maybe even in the morning and you're looking for something to do you want to play some casino games live dealers standing by they can handle that too it's absolutely fantastic it's why i always tell you that's where you should go to place your bets because they've been in business for over a decade they're going to make sure your money's safe and secure and when you want to get paid they're going to pay it out as well check them out today go to mybookie.ag put in that promo code bet975 as i always tell you bet anything anytime anywhere with the only place i tell you to do it mybookie.ag and use the promo code BET975. Don't miss Astros Playoff Baseball. It's gone! The second home run of the ball game for Kyle Tucker. Live tomorrow on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Now return you to the Killer Bees, live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at East River 9. Here are your bees, Joel Crank and Laramie Cranham. Belmer, who's running the show today, he likes that rejoin there. He's blank on Brandon. Let's go straight out to the HRNP guest line. We're being joined now by the man who covers the Falcons for ESPN.com. Michael Rothstein is our guest. Michael, thanks for taking a few minutes. Hang out with the Killer Bees. Take a look at this matchup coming up on Sunday. What are the Texans getting with Atlanta? A team that won their first two games, Carolina, Green Bay, but has lost their last two, Detroit, Jacksonville. What's the feeling of Atlanta right now four games into the year? Uh, well, it depends <laughs> who you ask. Well, all right, let's be real, right? Like, if you ask the fans, uh, they would, or a certain segment of the fan base, so let's say the social media version of the fan base, they would like everybody fired and benched. That's what they would like. Um, the reality is way different. Now, listen, is there, you know, are there issues with this team right now? There are. They've scored, oh, what, 13 points, one touchdown in the last eight quarters. Um, they haven't led at any point in the game since week two. Offensively, they haven't, in four games, had more than three plays on any opening drive, three three and outs, and an interception after they got a first down. So offensively, there's a, a lot of questions around this team right now, uh, other than Bijan Robinson, who people in Texas are just a little familiar with. Defensively, they're actually they're playing pretty well. 
They've adjusted to kind of some issues they were having the first maybe week or so against the run. Their corners are very good. Their safeties are very good. Uh, but this is a team offensively that really seems to be searching for something, especially early in game. Michael, I'm curious, uh, the flip side of what we do every day, coming from an outsider's perspective like you, your your perception of what the Texans have been as opposed to what people thought they were going to see this year from C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans to just the fact that this team is already 2-2 two and two, where a lot of people thought they were going to struggle. Oh, I was one of those people. I'll be the first one to admit that. I'm, I fill in on ESPN Radio nationally a lot as a host. I did it a lot during August. And I was one of those people that very much doubted a lot of things in Houston this year. I liked what they were doing with their young core. I think D'Amico Ryan is a heck of a coach, and we saw that in San Francisco as a defensive coordinator. And I know some of those people on his defensive staff that were in San Francisco, like Chris Kacerik and Daryl Tapp, who I covered when I was covering the Detroit Lions. So I believe that the potential for D'Amico Ryan as a head coach is very high, but I had my doubts about their team. They have surprised me in a lot of ways. Uh, CJ Stroud is playing a lot better a lot sooner than I thought he would. You know, Damian Pierce is really good. But Nico Collins, I was like Nico Collins as a receiver. I actually lived in Ann Arbor for a long period of time, so I was a bit familiar with him kind of in the latter parts of his career at Michigan. And you knew that potential was there. Tank Dell's obviously having a really good year. I just had some concerns about their offensive line, their, their ability to protect C.J. Stroud. And, frankly, it's a young team that you just didn't know a lot about them. And you knew that they were in the parts of a rebuild. You saw what had happened before in Houston over the last few years. So, I, I mean, you had every reason to think that this team was not going to be very good this year and, you know, maybe playing with a longer you in mind. I think they're still doing that, but what you're seeing right now is a team that's at the very least competing and certainly offensively putting up a lot of points. And if they're able to build on that, they could be scary in the future. Yeah, I think your feeling is pretty much the feeling that we had as a show as well, uh, really on all fronts. Michael Rothstein joining us on the HRNP guest line, covers the Falcons for ESPN.com. You mentioned Stroud there a little bit. In fact, this matchup on Sunday, these are the two most likely candidates to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL with C.J. Stroud, with B. John Robinson, who, of course, played very close to Houston in his college days at Texas. What, what, are the, uh, what, what is Atlanta seeing with B. John so far in his career? Well, first of all, Puka Nakua is angry now, for, and, <laughs> yeah. he has, and he has no idea why, but he just got mad. Uh, Puka Nakua is having a heck of a year right now. We'll see what happens when Cooper Cup comes back in, in Los Angeles, but let's not forget about him. To me, it's those three guys right now that you're having that conversation with uh, at the you know four-game point in, in terms of rookie of the year. But John Robinson, listen, there was criticism about a – quote-unquote, running back being taken number eight overall. If you listen to anyone in Atlanta, if you watched him play, you knew that that was not going to be how he was used. He was going to be what I've called since the beginning an offensive option, and he has been exactly that. Atlanta lines him up everywhere. They use him everywhere. He's about uh, 35% of their offense right now in terms of usage and you know maybe even more in terms of production. He is everything that Atlanta could have hoped for and, frankly, probably a little bit more. He has been fantastic. You watch him, and I, and I covered, like I said, I covered the Lions for a while. They played 
the Lions in week three. And I mentioned uh, he who shall not ever be compared to in Detroit in week three. And then most people, I imagine, the big world of the 12 knows exactly who that is, and that's, of course, Barry Sanders. The way he moves reminds me a lot of, like, old Barry Sanders highlights, old Ladanian Tomlinson highlights. Like, that's how Bajon Robinson moves when he has the ball in his hands. He is special, guys. Like, there's no question about it. He, as long as he stays healthy, he is going to have a fantastic NFL career. Michael, look at this Atlanta offense, and you talked about as much as you, you did about you know, raving about the, some of the talent that's on the defensive side of the football. I mean, I look at the guys, you look at Pitts, you look at London, you look at Robinson as you just talked about. What's the plan at quarterback? I know that they wanted to see what they have in Ritter. He hasn't looked great, but is this like a Colt situation where at a certain time if everybody else develops, you're going to look to try and acquire a veteran? Are they going to still look to try and – you know, do some things to kind of work up the draft board. What's the, what's the outlook quarterback-wise with Ritter and then long-term? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of those questions are TBD and because you just don't know. I said this a lot before, that if you sat there in August and said you knew what Desmond Ritter was going to be positively or negatively, you were just lying because there was no way to know. Four games has been... A very small sample size. I would even argue, I still don't think we know exactly what Justin Ritter is. Because the reality of a lot of it is, the majority of what people have seen so far is, to me, the worst game he has played as a pro. It might not be close. And certainly the first, like, the worst, like, stretch he had as a pro in those first three or four drives. Like, it was, it was ugly. And do I think that they're going to move on from him immediately? No, I, I do not. He's going to start on Sunday. I think he would have to be really, really bad on Sunday for, for them to consider making a move to Taylor Heineke at that point. Long term, anyone who tells you they know what they're going to do long term is once again lying to you because I don't think that they know yet what their plan would be long term because there's so much of the season left to go. We're also talking about it. You know, Kyle Pitts has not been. Kyle Pitts said this week he has been at some point this year 100%, but it is not clear when that has been. But I can tell you that what we've seen from Kyle Pitts is not a Kyle Pitts that has been 100%. And they haven't been able to get Cordero Patterson really involved in the offense. And how much that ends up mattering, we'll see. Drake London's playing pretty well. But Desmond Ritter, we just don't know. I, I You know, but there's like, it's, okay, so it's like this. It's weird. Because you have seen some things from Desmond Ritter that I think have been really positive. Like the second half against Green Bay was really good. The second half against Carolina was really good. I would even argue the third quarter against Jacksonville was pretty good. Detroit was not good at all. And really the first half against Jacksonville was not good at all. And you know, you're talking about a guy who's, what, eight starts? So it's a tough argument to make one way or the other. My biggest concern with Desmond Ritter is very simple. It is some of the accuracy on deeper passes, on intermediate passes, has been off, to say the least. And that's probably cost them a couple of touchdowns, cost them a couple of first downs. And as we all know, guys, that's the difference between a team that's maybe three and one and a team that's two and two that doesn't really feel like it's a team that's two and two. They feel more like they're a one and three team right now. Michael Rothstein on the HRP guest line covers the Falcons for ESPN.com. Last one for you, Michael, before we let you go. The Vegas line movement's been interesting in this one. Where do you think this game's won or lost either side Sunday? 
Um, I, I'll put it. I'll, I'll give you two. Right. One will okay. be the play of Gesner Ritter and their ability to start quicker. If they are able to, I don't know, get three first downs on their first drive, that would show such significant progress that I think it would give a confidence boost to their entire offense. Heck, one first down might might do that at this point, considering they've had one over the first four games. So uh, getting Desmond Ritter in a rhythm early and getting that, helping get their offense in a flow early, that can, I think, really make a difference because if they can ball control a little bit, keep Houston's offense off the field, then that puts some pressure on C.K. Stroud. The second part of it is the Falcons have done a really good job of getting pressure on quarterbacks, but they have not done a good job of actually stacking quarterbacks. So if they want to, again, live in the land of pressure but no stack, then C.J. Stroud might have enough time to really cause some problems. So they need to try and figure out a way in terms of Atlanta to finish off some of those pressures that they've been getting and then maybe put a little bit more pressure and a little bit more heat on C.J. Stroud because if he's already shown if you allow him the even the smallest sliver of time to find guys like Nico Collins, to find guys like Tank Dell, to then work Damian Pierce in the offense, it's going to be a, a long day for you as an opponent. Michael, we really appreciate the time. Great stuff, great insight. Uh, let's do it again. Absolutely. Anytime, y'all. It's Michael Rothstein. Covers the Falcons for ESPN.com. Really good insight on the team the Houston Texans will be playing on Sunday. So we've been crushing it on BZ Money, and that's not hyperbole. We were 4-0 last week, made $115 last week. We're up nearly $700 on the year. We make our picks next, giving you winners. BZ Money coming up on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN at 92.5. Rocktoberfest and Beer Fest are here. It is going on today. Get ready for everything that's right about rock and roll. All this is free, by the way, at the Kima Boardwalk. Free concerts all weekend at Rocktoberfest. Get ready for everything that's right about rock and roll. This band is really loud, really big hair. The Velcro Pygmies take the stage to rock out with hits from Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, Poison, and more. Tomorrow, the day gets started with dance and variety band Yelba. Journey tribute band Escape will wrap up the night. Then Sunday, it all ends with a bang. Houston's hottest cover band, The Slags. Performing today's hottest hits, the classics, and everything in between. Head to KemaBoardwalk.com to check out the full band lineup. Also, tomorrow afternoon, you got to do this. From 2 to 5 p.m., it's Beer Fest. Make plans now. The craft beer fest you've been waiting for. 24 breweries, 72 craft beer samples. If you buy tickets in advance at KemaBeerFest.com, you get a $5 discount. Full list of breweries also at KemaBeerFest.com includes Abita, Parish, Eureka Heights. you got to get there. Now, if you're looking for something a little more family-friendly, family we'll bring the family to Boo on the Boardwalk. Have a spectacular time the whole month of October at the Haunted House. Live music, spooky movies, arts and crafts, trick-or-treating, and much, much more. See the full schedule of events and concert lineup at KemaBoardwalk.com. That's KemaBoardwalk.com. ESPN 97.5 on Twitch. I don't get it. There are things in this world that we will never fully understand. Understand. All right. It's time for you to see how easy it is to take these guys' money. Are you threatening me? Let's get to their picks on BZ Money. We, uh, he's Blank on Brandon. We're broadcasting live at East River 9. Great spot. Weather's fantastic. Presented by Gentle Ben. Thanks to those guys for making it all possible. We've been, uh... We've been killing it, low-key killing maybe not so low-key killing it. We've been killing it 
on BZ Money. We were 4-0 last week. We're 14-5-1 on the year. And we started off with $1,000 in Mr. Gow's money. We're nearly plus 700. We're Woo! looking at a $1,695 budget right now. So not to, wait, yeah, yeah, pat ourselves on the back, toot our own horns. We're crushing it on BZ Money. Uh, don't uh, pay any attention that I had Washington in the under last night. That was not part of BZ Money. That was part of Branham Money, and Branham Money going bye-bye. All right, Blankers, which game are you pitching to us first? I'm going to pitch to you the Kansas City-Minnesota game. The Minnesota. Viking, the Vikings uh, are getting three and a half at home. I don't think that's nearly enough. I, I just believe that this Kansas City team it hasn't really shown us their best yet, and their defense is better than I thought it was going to be. But he, a couple things here. Mahomes has never beaten the Vikings. He's beaten every other team in the league. Not that that matters, other than the fact that the, the Vikings, they, they love to blitz, and he loves to pick up the blitz and, and, and capitalize. And, and I think that the, if the Vikings try and blitz at all, this is where you're going to see Mahomes really start slinging it around the yard. Uh, I believe three and a half is not nearly enough for Minnesota. I think Kansas City wins this game by a touchdown. I love this analysis. It's very, very good. I was hoping one of you would pick this game because I'm with you. I, I think that Kansas City is going to win this game. I haven't won it by a touchdown. I thought the number is a little bit too small as well. I agree with everything you said. I think you knocked it out the park. I'm, I'm all in on this game, Blankers. Hell yeah. Yeah. 50-burger. Ooh. <laughs> wow, feeling it. 40-burger? Right off the top. I mean, no, let's go 50-burger, man. That's good, Joe. We're, we're playing with Gauss house money. this is Gauss money right Gauss now. money. Gauss money. Yeah. 50 bucks. $50 on the Kansas City. I'm also kind of quitting on Minnesota. Like, I feel like I've been the Minnesota Viking defendant of this show. Like, I've, yeah, kind, of, like, I've yeah. kind of, like, tried to hang on, hang on, hang on to Minnesota. I think it's unraveling for them. And honestly, I, th- I don't think Kirk Cousins finishes the year in Minnesota. I don't if I'm either. being completely honest. I, I think that this you is a sinking ship. The Jets? <laughs> sinking Viking ship. I think ship. there's a couple of different options, but I think the Jets is at the front of the class. I feel like the Jets, if they don't make that move quick, like, they're going to be out of it. But I, I tend to agree that like, Kirk Cousins will not finish the year. I don't think so. I don't think Kirk Cousins or T. Higgins. I know you said that the other day. Like neither one of them may end up on their team. I don't think so. Right now, I think they're going to be the darlings of the NFL trade deadline. Yeah, they both of them. I think everybody not named Justin Jefferson could be on the table. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. I I think that if it's not the Jets, it's going to be some team that has a hurt quarterback. Like Tennessee. I thought about that. I thought about an injury because you know what? He'd be really good. In Pittsburgh, but really they already good. have two quarterbacks there that are less than stellar, but that they're paying. If you have LA? two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Yeah, but Stafford's not going anywhere. If he's seeing injury. Oh, yeah, there's like, an injury. I think he'd be oh, a yeah. perfect fit in L.A. If they're overachieving and they're still in it to some degree, yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, yeah, Kirk's an injury quarterback. Like, I mean, look, this is going to sound blasphemous, but if the Texans were in a playoff race and C.J. Shroward has taste tears ACL – the morning after the Astros won the World Series, like in 2017, <laughs> yeah, the Astros, the, the Texans could be in the Kirk Cousins conversation. I don't love giving premium picks when you're, <laughs> when you're still. Oh, Kirk a Cousins very, very does not team. equal premium picks. Can I go next? I don't know. No, you can't. Why not? Because we have an order here. We maintain order, and our order yeah, is what's led to our winning. Why we've been winning? No, stop trying to jump the gun. You sit in the three holes. It's a just, very important spot. In I the forgot. Lineup. I forgot the order. You also didn't pick. You didn't have your, your picks for these games until we went on the air, did you? Yeah, I wait for you guys. He's a, he's a I go last. He's a gentleman. I'm gonna. I but don't. Then you wanted to jump, Jeremy. I go first because I'm not a gentleman, <laughs> and I want to get my games in. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Colts. I'm pitching to you guys the Colts plus two and a half at home. Anytime a team is a home underdog, it catches my attention. I'm also not sure, so sure that the Colts aren't the better team. Like I think the Colts are the better football team than the Titans. They're the home team. They're getting points at home. Jonathan Taylor kind of throws a wrinkle into things, but at least you're adding some talent. I like the Colts plus two and a half, guys. 
Yeah, I'm a little leery of this because of the old Derrick Henry we saw a week ago. I don't know the sustainability of that, but Tennessee has surprised me because I didn't think either Tannehill or uh, Henry had much left on in the tank. And Henry, Henry, at least for a week, shows that he did. Showed he did. Andy's defense is sneaky decent, but yeah, home dog of two and a half is interesting to me. I don't. I mean, I could go with this one. Yeah, I don't see a whole. I don't put a whole lot of money on it. Fair enough. What do you think, Joe? I've been on the wrong side of Tennessee every week. Yeah, the last. Like, I've been on the right side of Tennessee. I know. Like so, I, I I'm good with Indy. Just I think low amount. I think twenty. Okay, talk into 25. Fine. That's fine. Yes. $25 on the Colts. Joe, would you like to go next? <laughs> uh, yes, please. Uh, I'm going to pick on one of the worst teams in the NFL. Revenge the Bears. Game. The Packers. Oh, they looked good last night. Well, your ex was hot last look, night. That's what they, look, this is what they needed, okay? I gave them the gift of offense. I left the fan base. Yeah. Justin Fields is good. Um, DJ I, Moore's okay, too. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that the Giants are the worst team in the NFL, honestly. like I don't even know what Saquon Barkley is going to play. I think the Dolphins are going to do a get-right game. It's a huge number, but I didn't really like a lot of the games, so I'm going Dolphins minus 12. It's 12, right? It's, it's 12. I, it I think they win this game by at least 20. This is a oh, huge I think I'm getting, number. This, I'm getting, this is Trapper I'm John getting, MD. I'm getting, no. 12 points. 12 in the NFL? That's a lot. Like, it's a backdoor cover ridden all over. We it. made a lot of money earlier this season on big numbers. Do we ever play one as big as 12? We played 14. No. We were getting 14, weren't we? Maybe. Yeah. I think there's a difference. Because then we were getting the backdoor covers as opposed to giving them away. I don't – this is a game that I personally stayed away from. I did I, don't, I just don't like big numbers. Now, I agree with your take on the Giants. I think they're a lousy football team. Yeah. Uh, any word on Saquon? Uh, still questionable. So questionable with Saquon. One thing that I like about your side of this game is Miami lost last week. Not only did Miami lose last week, but they got embarrassed. Like they got beat by four touchdowns. Like if if they would have lost by three or they won by three, I feel even worse about this game. But the fact that they kind of need to atone for that loss last week, I stayed away from it. I don't want to play a whole lot, but I'm willing to to toss a bone around since we've been winning some money. I'm fine with that. Look, 20? I'm, okay. Look, I, well, we're look, getting reckless I'm a team here, boys. Player. I'm a team player, and, and look, it, it, we, we've done really well just rolling and sticking you together. Know you know what's so funny? You got, like When we started this segment, the one thing you guys told me was that last year sometimes you guys would only play like two games. Yeah. yeah. We're playing a lot of games. Well, we last, are. last week we didn't play two of them. Last week we, yeah, we only right. played four of the yeah. six. So we were pretty selective last week. It's fair. All right, so 20? 20. 20's, yeah, 20. Let's go 20. 20's the I don't, feel, I don't feel good about this one. We'll go 20. All right, Blankers, what's your second game? Uh, look, uh, I looked at two. There, I was torn between two games here, but the, the game that I just can't get away from is San Francisco at home against Dallas. Uh, I think we all believe that San Francisco is a contender. I think we all believe more than all the Cowboy fans in the area believe that Dallas is more of a pretender than a contender. And, and I, I think that in big games, Dak has a tendency to shrivel up. Whereas McCaffrey is, a, is one of the favorites for MVP, I think that defense is going to be all over Dak. I think that, you know, not only their front seven, but I think their secondary is fully capable uh, of stopping everything Dallas tries to do, starting with C.D. Lamb, but they really do a great job stopping the run. And I think if San Francisco's only given up four at home on national TV where the Niners can make a statement, I really love San Francisco. This is a game that I, uh, I played as well, and I, I bet the 49ers side of it, they're at home, like, Probably their better competition they played in a while. I think it's kind of maybe a statement game a little bit for San Fran. And I, I'm not 
I don't think that Dallas is even close to the same tier as the, the 49ers. I feel like it's a small enough number where it intrigues me. Plus, you look I'm at it, with that. Plus, look at who Dallas has played or who they haven't played. Yeah. I mean, New England's been terrible. Yep. They lost to a bad Cardinals team. You know, they blew out the Jets without Aaron Rodgers. And they blew out the bet, worst team in football in the Giants. Yeah, see, I'm even willing to overlook the Cardinal game. Like, whatever, you're not going to show up a couple of times a year in the NFL. But they don't have a significant win, really. So I'm cool nope. with San Fran. What do you want to go on it? What are you going to sell? 35. I'm, so- I'm solid on that. That's yeah, fine by me. All right, this is a game that uh, I'm going to sell to you guys. The Jets last week, I think that they, while they lost... I'm not a believer in moral victories. I think they learned a lot about themselves. I think they learned a lot of good things about them. Zach Wilson's playing with some confidence. That is a loss that's going to spark the Jets. For how long? I don't know. But it's going to spark the Jets through at least one week. They're going to mile high. They're taking on Denver. They're only giving up two and a half points. I usually hate road favorites. But the Denver Broncos stink. They're lousy. I think Sean Payton wants to lose games because I think he wants Caleb Williams. The Jets go into mile high. They blow out the Broncos. They get right for at least a week. Give me the Jets, given two and a half points on the road. I think the Jets' defense is going to stack up really well against whatever Denver tries to do offensively. I just I don't know what Zach Will, which which Zach Wilson is going to show up. I, I don't know that. Do they need Zach Wilson to beat the Broncos by two and a half points? They need Zach Wilson to not throw three picks. They just hand the ball off to Brees Hall 30 times a game. And then 10 more times to Dalvin Cook. The problem is they don't do that. They don't. That's because they're trailing a lot. True. Look, here's the thing. I'm not a mom, so I don't like Zach Wilson, so I'm out on this. You're out? What's the spread? Two and a half. This is a piece of cake. They're going Uh by 10. I'm not. I would never. It's in Denver. My money, gal money. Yeah, it's going to mile high. It's Zach Wilson. And Denver at home. I can't. I don't think that they want to get embarrassed at home. Denver at home intimidates you? No, I think they play better at home. I think that... They're going to show up at home. All right, you guys be cowards. Don't. This is opportunity cost. They are just giving away. I'm gonna start, and I'm gonna start tracking the ones we don't play, so right. that way you can yell at us I on will. Monday. And th- that's something that I would do. Yeah. He enjoys that. Yeah, uh, that is something I, I would do. I've been flipping on this last one a lot. If I want to go with this game or another one, but I just have not been impressed with Jacksonville. And last week, Buffalo really impressed me a lot. They think they can run the ball really well. James Cook is good. Diggs is awesome. Allen's a superstar in the regular season. I like Buffalo minus five and a half in this can, game. Can I throw the caveat at you? I love this caveat. I know where you're going, and I love it. Yeah, it's it's across the pond. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. It's, to in, me. it's in England. And I know, and Jacksonville's been there for a week. Yep. And yeah, they already played there last week. They didn't have to do anything. No planes, no trains, yeah. no automobiles. I, I I'm a little leery of this game because of that. Branham Metrics has the Bills winning this game by seven. So that's a oh, cover. Do you? It's a cover. But it's a game where it's a, tight cover. it's a game where I didn't play. I didn't play because of the uh, because of Blanker's caveat. I don't. I don't. I think these games are quirky. I think that they're weird. I think Jacksonville is used to them. Buffalo went there this week. Jacksonville's been there. Now is Jacksonville getting a little homesick? I doubt it because they live in Jacksonville. This is a game that I stayed away from. I do like the Buffalo side gun to my head. So if you wanted to throw a little down on it, I'd be willing to throw twenty twenty five. They didn't tarp off the upper little... deck in England just to make the Jags feel better. I don't did they? think so. No, no, I don't think that they did. I'm willing to throw down just so, so we can have a Sunday so morning 20? sweat. Like, you okay with twenty? We're going twenty on Buffalo. Yeah, you okay with fine. that. Yeah, uh, like both a, my plays are twenty dollars plays. I, I, I will tell well, you, so one of them you didn't play of mine. So I'll tell you the guy, guys. I have twenty five dollars on the line. Period. I went back and forth on was yeah. the Eagles going to L A to take on the Rams. Mm-hmm. That was a tough one, and, and it was only the Rams were only getting four. You know what? You want you want to know what my play was on that yeah. game? Rams money line. 
Did you? I kind of like the Rams this week. My upset special. You're going across the country. Yep. I think the Eagles – look who the Eagles have played. Look at the results for the Eagles. The Eagles have not looked that strong. They've been teetering a little bit. They have not. And their looked, defense they, has they been missed, shockingly bad. They missed Gannon. I think, I think they missed Gannon. I think they missed Steichen. Yeah. A lot, actually. Yeah. And I know that they're still winning a lot of football games, but – And you I, get cut back to, I, go with, I know. to go with Puka. My upset special of the week. Ram, okay. but not enough to, to – no, 713-780-ESPN. Uh, Astros postseason baseball gets started tomorrow. Are the Astros built for this? Are they built for October? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 are proud to bring you every Houston Astros playoff game this postseason. The Houston Astros have won the World Series. That's right. Join us live in beautiful FM Fidelity to catch every exciting inning of Astros playoff baseball and get legitimate analysis from the best lineup in Houston sports radio. Astros playoff baseball live on ESPN 97. 97.5 and 92.5. And the party is on here in Houston.